Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. sure glad that you're here with us this morning. Those of you watching online, we're glad that you're here. Obviously, we're excited about Bible school. We're going to be giving this Jeep away to the kid who invites the most friends here. So dads, I can sort of get you in the game. Maybe rent a bus, take it around the neighborhood. This could be yours next week. That's just a joke. So don't, I'm kidding there. Everybody goes through a Jeep phase though, don't they? Have you? I have, man. Like I'm in and out of Jeep phases. My wife says, you, you can't really pull that off, which hurts. I think I can. Uh, Anyhow, we're excited about what God's going to do. It's funny. One of the things that I do, it's just kind of me, it's kind of quirky. I'm watching every summer for the, for the date, the first time I hear these words. I heard it this year earlier than I've ever heard it uh, in a summer in my life. I'm uh, Friday afternoon. I'm over at the Mecca Bass Pro. I'm just kind of walking around. There's a mom. She's got an eight-year-old, and he ha- she's spun out, man. She is done. She's over her time with him, and she said it. I was right there. We're passing. She said, I cannot wait for school to start back. It's May 31st. Mama's ready. Mama is ready. But Bible school this week, so bring them. We're excited about having them here tomorrow. All those are going to be serving. We're excited for you. It's going to be a great week, and we we just believe God's going to do something really powerful in our midst. If you have your Bible, let's go ahead and open them up to the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 2. We're in verse 18. We're working through the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, and these are uh, an, an amazing section These are seven letters to these seven churches, seven local churches directly from Jesus through John the Apostle to these churches, talking about what these churches are doing well, what these churches needed to improve on. These letters would have been read in an assembly like this. And can you imagine if you were today, we look at the church at Thyatira as the pastor stands and reads and says, this is what Jesus, this is a clear message that Jesus has for us as a church. Well, that would surely get your attention. But in in essence, this is really what's happening for us today because God has a word for us. So Revelation chapter 2, we're going to to jump in starting in verse 18. It says, And to the angel at the church at Thyatira, this would be the leader, the one who's giving the message there at the church, the words of the Son of God. This is super important for what's about to happen here at this church at Thyatira. Now, the church at Thyatira was the smallest of these seven churches, but it is the longest letter. So Jesus has more to say to them than any other church. And it starts by this, these words John is writing, these words, church, that you are hearing are coming from the Son of God. This is this uh, speaking to the divinity of Jesus. Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God, I'm asking? I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he has always been. I believe he always will be. I believe Jesus is eternal. And so because Jesus is eternal, because Jesus is the Son of God, his words should be the authority of our life. That's the point here, right? So he says, these aren't just man's opinions. These are coming directly from the the Son of God, whose eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like a burnished bronze. When it says that Jesus' eyes are like a flame of fire, listen, we think we can hide from him. In my life, there have been times where I thought I could hide from him, but nothing in our life can escape the gaze, the penetrating gaze of the eyes of Jesus Christ. And it says his feet are like burnished bronze, meaning it's immovable, it's unshakable. It is the power of who he is. And it's something that can be completely trusted. In other words, you can trust this word. It will not be moved. You can build your life on it. You can stake your life on it. It is a firm foundation. Do you see that? So super important. Verse 19, Jesus is going to commend them. 
He says, I know your works, your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance, which is, which is this overarching theme through the, the book of Revelation, that these believers admit some challenges were enduring for the faith, and that your latter works exceed your first. In other words, they were different from the church at Ephesus, which had kind of lost their first love. In other words, their love for Jesus wasn't diminishing. In many ways, it was growing. They were falling deeper in love with him. He says, I love how you're serving. You know, you got Bible school coming up this week, church at Thyatira, and now you're signed up, you're ready to go, you're excited about serving these children. And then verse 20. But, uh-oh, like that, that's like, here we go. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. Now let's take a few minutes in, in verse 20 because this is the crux of this whole argument, right? This is the crux of this letter. Here's what Jesus has against the church at, at Thyatira. They were tolerating things that he didn't tolerate. So we're going to talk about that today. Do you tolerate anything in your life that Jesus doesn't tolerate? And so you might be saying, well, I thought Jesus wanted us to be tolerant. I thought Jesus wanted us to love our neighbor. Yes, that's important. But here's what's happening here. Now watch this. He says, you tolerate this woman Jezebel. Now that wasn't her name because no one would name a daughter Jezebel. I mean, it's just a terrible name, right? Especially thinking back, that was meant to be a church joke. Nobody got that. Thinking back from the Old Testament the book of First Kings, some of you had the privilege of growing up in church. You remember the story of Israel's king Ahab, and he married this foreign woman whose name was Jezebel, and she comes in. It was during the time of Elijah. Elijah, uh, one of my favorite prophets, he was known as the bald-headed prophet, like Elijah. And, and Jezebel comes into Israel and she says, you know what? These prophets of your God, Ahab, are too restrictive. We need a more enlightened religion. We need a, we need a religion that has evolved. This is way too narrow-minded. And so this Jezebel, this Old Testament Jezebel, uh, that was literally her name, the, the woman that we're looking at in Thyatira is a type. She is like this Old Testament Jezebel. What Jezebel said is uh, we need a new religion. So she creates a whole new religious system. She persecutes, kills many of the prophets in the Old Testament. And then she creates this new religious system, the worship of this false god, Baal. And part of the way that you worship this false god, Baal, was you had sex with temple prostitutes as a way to worship this fertility god. So you can imagine church growth strategies were pretty simple, right? People were coming to the temple. Baal worship was not a tough sale uh, back in that day. And so what Jesus is saying, he's saying what's taking place in this New Testament church in Revelation chapter 2, this woman who's in the church, she is like a Jezebel. She is teaching in the church and she is deceiving. She's teaching sexual, sexual immorality and, and she's teaching that the, they could eat food sacrificed to idols. Here's, here's what's going on. Now watch this. This is so important. In the city of Thyatira, it was known for its commerce. It was, it was a city that was in, in the Roman Empire was advanced in, in industry. And one of the things that they had is they had these guilds for every occupation. And a guild was in many ways like an extended family. If you were a blacksmith, you were part of the blacksmith guild. 
Um, if you worked with leather goods, a tanner, you were a part of a, a local tanner guild. And it was sort of like this extended family. In other words, all of you guys who were blacksmiths, if you were having a tough stretch, the rest of the people would kind of come around you and help you and support you. But they did more than that. It was almost like a labor union. It was like a, it's like a church, and it was like a fraternity, all in, all, in, all in one fell swoop. And so these guilds would gather together for their meetings, and each guild had a different false god, sort of like a mascot of their guild, but they would worship that false god, hoping that false god would bless their business. And part of what they would do is they would sacrifice animals to this uh, false god, and then after that, uh, they would eat that meat that was sacrificed to the animal. Then they would have parties, and all kinds of sexual immorality would take place, and the party was crazy. And so the believers, are you still with me? This is important. These believers at the church at Thyatira were having a hard time because they were saying, now that I'm a follower of Jesus, it doesn't seem right for me to go to the guild and pay my money to, to, to this false god, and then, you know what, with everything that takes place, it just gets like this crazy guild gone wild kind of thing with all the sexual morality. It feels like I should sort of pull away and separate from myself. In walks Jezebel. She's teaching inside the church because she was probably a woman of power, prominence, and, and she has wealth. And so many times what happens in the church is we think just because somebody is powerful or prominent in the culture that that's God's hand of blessing on them so we elevate them to positions of power in the church. And that's not necessarily true. Do you understand that? I mean, that, that could be, that they could rise to the place, they're, they're, the position they're, they're in because of the work of the enemy in, in their life. So Jezebel is allowed to teach in the church and here's what she's teaching. She's saying, you know what, listen. That is too narrow-minded. What, what your pastor is saying, and, and, and what, that's too narrow-minded. You know what? You need to compartmentalize your life. You can still love Jesus and still be connected over here in the guild. In fact, you don't want to do something that's going to affect your, uh, affect your business. And if you disconnect from the guild, that's going to hurt you financially. And God would never want that. So you can, you can have both. And she's teaching that inside the church, right? That's what she's saying. You can go and you can party like a rock star at the guild. And, and you can offer sacrifice to a false God. You can sleep with whoever you want to sleep with, but then you can still come back and, and still be a part of the church. And Jesus said, your church at Thyatira, by allowing her to teach, you are tolerating things that I don't tolerate. Now, let me tell you something. When we began to study the book of Revelation, I had this sense. I had this sense that God was going to do something in our midst in an overwhelming way. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, that this week, studying this particular passage, God has done something in me. Because I have to confess to you, there have been times as your pastor and as your leader, the truth of the matter is, I've probably tolerated things here that God doesn't tolerate. Because at my core, I'm a people pleaser, which is tough. It gets you in trouble. But we're going to see how dangerous that is to tolerate things that God doesn't tolerate, but not just in our church, in our individual life. Can I ask you this one question to wrestle with today? Just one question in your life. I think it's what we take from this letter. In your life, are you tolerating, those of you, those of you who are watching online, in your life, are you tolerating anything now that the Lord doesn't tolerate in your own life? It's a great question to wrestle with just a little bit, all right? So that's verse 20. But let, let me finish this section up. Verse 21, God says, I gave her, meaning Jezebel, 
time to repent, but she refused to repent of her sexual immorality. Watch this. What we're about to read, the next few passages, people read them and say, see, see that's why I left the church. God's too, this, this judgmental God, I don't like that. Well, listen, we, we forget verse 21 that God gives her a chance to repent. I mean, she is leading people astray and, and her, her lies are exposed, but she chooses not to repent, means, which means she doesn't change her mind. She continues on. Verse 22, behold, I will throw her onto a sick bed. In other words, she's been doing all this crazy crazy stuff on one kind of bed. Now she's going to experience a sick bed or hospital bed. And those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of their work. So there's, there's, there's judgment for this sin for those who choose not to repent. And I will strike her children dead and the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart and I will give to each of you according to your works. When it says strike her children dead, mo most likely what that's talking about is these are the followers. These are people who bought in, who are believing the lie of Jezebel and rejecting the truth of the gospel. And so if they don't repent, then there is destruction coming. Verse 24, but to the rest of you in Thyatira. Again, this is a letter being read. And I think, man, it must have been tough to be Jezebel at church that day, right? Like, whoa, check please. But to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold to this teaching, who have not learned what some called the deep things of Satan. Do you, I say, I do not lay any other burden on you. And can I say this to you just really quickly? In every single generation, we think our generation is so enlightened. We, we think we're in touch with kind of the deeper, deeper things. And we think, you know what, this old-time religious system or, or what the Bible says, that's so antiquated. And, and I love God, but I, I really want my religion to be more evolved, that, that steps into the 21st century. Can, can I tell you something really quickly? Now, this is not popular in the culture, but I want you to think about it a little bit. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe God is eternal? Let me ask you that question one more time. Do you believe God's eternal? Yeah, do eternal things need to evolve? Eternal things don't need to evolve. Because God is alive in past, present, and the future, right? And so you, you have to be careful. That's what's going on in this, this early church. And then verse 25, Jesus is talking to the believers who had not given in to these lies and this false teaching of Jezebel. Verse 25 is such a great passage. Look at it, he says, only hold fast what you have until I come. What is he saying to the church? Hold fast to what? To the gospel. Only hold fast to the gospel until Jesus returns again. Can I tell you something, church? Can you listen? Can I tell you this as believers? Here's what God wants for you in a difficult, difficult culture that we live in today, right? Would you agree with that? Would you hold fast to the gospel? Hold fast to truth until the Lord Jesus comes again. And let us encourage one another as we endure in our, in our faith and that we don't turn away into sin and disobedience. Now, verse, verse 26, the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end to him, I will give authority over the nations. Jesus is saying, let me just remind you the temporary suffering that you're enduring right now, it is gonna be worth it when we step into eternity because of the opportunities that you're gonna have. So don't, don't lose sight of that. That, that. that tells us that this, this is worth it. Verse 27, and he will rule them, talking about when Jesus returns again for those who reject him, he will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces. We're going to get to that at the end. I'm saving the best for last, right? Just hold on to that. Even as I myself have received authority from my father and I will give him the morning star. What is that? The morning star. Well, that is the presence of Jesus. If you endure in your faith, 
continue to trust God, walk in obedience. God promises us his presence. Can I tell you, this is what you need more than anything else. More than, the, more than, a, than a new job, more than a new relationship, more than a new place to live. You need the presence and the power of God. That's where it's at. Nothing, nothing equates with that. And that's the promise there. Verse, verse 29, and he who has the ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, if you have your notes, let's take those out and go to work for just a moment, right? Here's what I believe. The problem at the church at Thyatira is they had become more tolerant than God. They were tolerating things that God doesn't tolerate. The problem in my life sometimes is I have been more tolerant than God is. And the problem with most churches, let's think about it, most churches drift. Have you heard us say that before? Most churches drift. And most churches, watch, and listen, I, I don't have to talk about any other denomination. I'm not going to call anybody out by name today, but you know it. I mean, most churches have drifted today and they are tolerating things that God doesn't tolerate in our culture today. That's just, that's just the cold hard facts, isn't it? That's the truth. Now, here it is. Watch this on a personal level though. That's where we're gonna spend the next 15 minutes. How do you know? How do you know when you are becoming in your own life more tolerant than God is? How do you know in your own life when you're becoming more tolerant than God is? Three things we're going to talk about very quickly. You have them in your notes. Number one, you are becoming more tolerant than God when you have redefined tolerance. Now, you're going to have to think here today. This is a huge issue in the culture we live in because the only sin that our culture would, would, would agree on today is the sin of intolerance. You can be anything that you want to be in this culture today, but don't be what? Intolerant. Right? That's where we are. Now, let me just, let me call a time out. This Revelation chapter 2 was a message given to a church, to somebody who was teaching lies inside the church, right? So it is, it is a jump that we don't make to go and take these principles and apply them to lost people first. This was meant to be applied inside the church first. You see that? Because here's what I believe about the culture. When the church gets right, the culture will get right. You see that? The problem is the church isn't right. We're tolerating things God doesn't tolerate. And there is no hope for the culture until the church is right. Now, I'm going to give you, watch this, you're going, to have to, you're going to have to play along. I'm going to give you two definitions of tolerance. You're going to have to decide which one you line up with. You understand the question? I'm going to give you two definitions of tolerance. You say, why is this important? Because you will start to drift in your life away from things that God tolerates when you redefine tolerance. Here's the first definition of tolerance. It's giving people freedom to have different beliefs, practices, while at the same time allowing others the freedom to propose, not impose, propose a different opinion or belief in humility and love. Can I say it to you this way? This view of tolerance says people can believe what they want to believe. People can, can practice what they want to practice. But at the same time, other people have the, have the freedom to propose what they believe about a certain situation or, or thing. And they do that in humility and love. It just creates a level playing field where people can talk about what is true or what they believe it to be truth for them. That's one definition of tolerance. Here's another definition of tolerance. Everyone is right no matter what they believe or what they do. In other words, that's just right for them. And who are you to tell them what's right for them? Everyone is right no matter what they believe or what they do. And anyone who expresses a different viewpoint is seen as intolerant. Do you understand the difference in those two definitions? I told you you'd have to think a little bit. Is that confusing? You have to decide which one do you line up with. The first says, you know what, you have the freedom to believe what you believe, but I also have the freedom to propose what I believe in 
gentleness and humility. My wife thinks the University of Alabama is the greatest university in the country. She thinks their football team is the most dominant football team in the history of college football. She thinks everything about Alabama is, is, is dominant, even their fight song. Is more smart woman, somebody said. Jezebel is here among us. I just heard her speak. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. That was a joke. That was wrong. I should not have said that, and I repent. <laughs> smart woman. Well, let, we have small groups for you to talk in. This is not, it's not where you talk here, right? <laughs> so funny. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, even our fight song, even the University of Alabama fight song is, is, is the best fight song in college football. So what I say to her is, that's fine. You have the right to believe that. Certainly have the right to believe that. Could I just play for you for 30 seconds what I believe is a great fight song? Because I believe if you could give Rocky Top 30 seconds, something might happen in your heart. Yeah, that would redeem you, yeah. With gentleness and love, Right. The other view says everybody is right in what they believe, and who are you, who are you to say anything different? Now, you have to decide which one of those do you line up with. Now, l let me say something. Obviously, you know where I am. I think the first view is the right view. The second view, think about it. If you think objectively, no one really believes the second view. They may say they do. But when push comes to shove, no one does because right now, listen, this is what's happening right now somewhere in this last 15 seconds that you and I have been breathing. In the last 15 seconds, someone has come into a home in the third world, taken a 7, 8, 9, 10-year-old little girl, ripped her from her family, and sold her into sex slavery. That, is ha that just happened somewhere in the world. Now, no one would say, well, that's just that person who did that, that's just right for them. And who am I to say what's right for him or that person. Does anybody believe that? No one believes that, right, ultimately. But see, here we are in, in, in our culture. We also believe that, you know what, the culture wants to silence you. You're not welcome to even propose your beliefs. That would be intolerant. Now, what does this have to do with the church? This, slipped in, this, this thinking slipped into the church 2,000 years ago when Jezebel was coming in. A woman like Jezebel was teaching heresy, and people in the church were silent because they, they were confused about tolerance. We are in the church. We say, well, you know what? God says not to judge. Do you know what? And, and so I, I just don't say anything. That's what they do. God says not to judge. You know what that means? It means we don't enact judgment. Judgment is God's. God will judge. In other words, he will bring about a penalty. But that doesn't mean that we don't propose truth. Do you see? Those are really different things. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we're confused. And so you'll move towards tolerating things that God doesn't tolerate when you redefine tolerance. Here's what I believe about tolerance. I believe in legal tolerance. I believe the Muslim, the Jew, Baha'i, whatever you, whichever religious, I believe they should have the freedom to worship the way they want to worship in our country. I believe that. I believe in religious, I believe in legal tolerance. I believe in theological tolerance. Right? I, have a, I have a friend who's a pastor in this town, and he thinks because I don't preach out of the uh, King James Bible, he's not sure if I'm going to heaven. That's cool, right? I love him, and, and, and I, he, most days he loves me, and so we tolerate each other. There, there, there are believers here who believe in a rapture. There are those who don't believe in a rapture. Listen, we, we tolerate e each other. We're not, gonna, we're not going to file for uh, a friendship divorce over some things that, that, that we believe a little bit differently. Listen, I mean, Nick dresses more like Lecrae. I dress more like Longmire. That's just, that's just the difference that we have, but we, 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 we tolerate both of us, right? Because those are kind of secondary issues. 
But some of you homeschool, some of you private school, some of you have your kids in public school, some of you did a stint in an alternative school. It's just like all over the, 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 the place a little bit. But we don't separate over that. There's tolerance. There's freedom uh, in that. But a church, watch this, a church that tolerates what God doesn't tolerate is a church that is in jeopardy of losing God's power. This is the history of Christianity. Churches that have begun to tolerate what God doesn't tolerate lose their power. If you don't believe that, travel to Europe this summer and spend some time in Europe and you will see what used to be churches. Now they are museums because it was a group of people who began to tolerate what God didn't tolerate. And they lost their power. Revelation chapter 2 verse 5 says, Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. You see, inside the church there are shepherds, there are sheep, members of the church, and there are wolves. We treat wolves different than we treat sheep, Right? A wolf's coming in to devour and to confuse and to lead the sheep astray. And so we are intolerant of wolves. Watch this. Nobody, we don't teach this in the church. Because this, this, this cultural definition, this new definition of tolerance has seeped in. As members of the church, we have both individual responsibility for ourselves. Listen, can I tell you, this is hard teaching. Look this way. Hard teaching. If you're a part of any local body of believers, this local body of believers or any other local body of believers, and you are consistently tolerating something that God doesn't tolerate, it is causing the church to lose its power and lose its influence. Your individual tolerance of sin is affecting us as a whole. And you say, well, I don't believe that. Well, listen, here's what you don't get. We belong together. We're a body. Bodies are connected, aren't they? So as members of the church, we have both individual responsibility for ourselves and a corporate responsibility for the other members of the body. Meaning, you know, we don't say anything. Well, that, you know what? Did you see what they did this weekend? That's not mine to judge. Let me just go ahead and tell you about me. If you see something in my life that doesn't line up with the word of God, tell me quickly because it matters. You see, we don't tolerate what God doesn't tolerate. Number two, we don't come under authority, but we become the authority. This is when you're starting to move toward tolerating things that God doesn't tolerate. When you don't come under the authority, you become the authority. What does that mean? It just means when there are situations and circumstances, decisions that you have to make in your life, that what matters is what you think about a situation. What should matter is what Jesus has said about a situation. Does that make sense? To the angel at the church of Thyatira, the words of the Son of God. This Bible is the words of the Son of God. That means it has authority. So I need to understand I can come, I have to come under the authority. Jesus, watch this, you have it in your notes. I need to move fast. Jesus has the authority to define truth for the church. Do you believe that? Why? Because he's the Son of God. Like, I, I don't, you don't want me defining truth for the church. In the 80s, I rocked a terrible mullet and I thought it was cool. If you want to be led astray, I can be easily led astray. Some of you still have one. It's over. The 80s are over. Give it up. <laughs> Others of you have got this new do. Ten years from now, you're going to regret that. You're going to look back and say, man, somebody should have told me about that. That didn't go over well. Sorry. Three things we can do with Scripture. 
You can come under its authority, right? Come under its authority. You can reject it or you can change it. That's really three options you have. Come under its authority, reject it or change it. Pierce Morgan said this, CNN broadcaster, British broadcaster. Now, now watch this. In the last service, I read this. And I'm just telling you this so you don't embarrass yourself. Somebody said, that is right. Let's put up what he said. Morgan said, the Bible, like everything in life, first of all, I don't think the Bible is like everything in life. That's just me. And then he asked, it's a little hard to read, it's more of a question, shouldn't the Bible be dragged kicking and screaming into each modern era and be adapted like the American Constitution? To that, somebody sitting in, in the previous service says, that's right. This is the pervasive view of our culture about Scripture. Scripture needs to evolve with the times, right? That's what our culture says. Well, that, that, you know what that's really saying? It's really saying, I'm the authority, and the Bible needs to line up with me and how I see the world. Instead of saying, these are the words of the Son of God, right? We don't change the Bible. The Bible was given to change us. Do you understand the difference? I don't change. It's not mine to change the Scripture. The Bible is meant to change me. Are there parts of Scripture that challenge me? Like every morning, but I'm drifting toward being tolerant of things that God doesn't tolerate when I don't come under the authority of the Scripture. I think I'm the authority, Right? And, and, and Jezebel's issue, watch this. Man, this is hard. You're going to have to hang in here. Jezebel's issue when she said, you know what? Listen, you can be involved in the guilds and you, you, can, still, you, you, you can do what you want to do over there and then you can still be involved in the church. Her issue was not an unconvinced mind. Her issue was an unwilling heart. Jezebel was so popular in this, this church in Thyatira because she gave people a license to sin. In 25 years of counseling, here's mainly what people want, especially marriage counseling. Now, I know this is a generalization, and some of you will email me, and it's not the case with every couple, but most of the time when someone comes individually to see uh, one of us as, as, as counselors, they come in and they spend 30 minutes just bashing the other, and they really want us to say, you know what, it's okay. I'd leave them too. And then Pastor Brady told me I should leave you. Basically, what people want is a license to do what they want to do. That's why Jezebel was so popular in the churches. That's why people who tolerate things that God doesn't tolerate, they're so popular in their culture today, in the religious culture. Watch this. Watch this. In the church, sometimes theological problems are just smoke screens for immorality. That's what was going on with Jezebel. Theological problems, this is hard for me to talk about. Amy and I have... Years ago, close friends, they live in another, I'm not talking about anybody here, live in another state. Our kids grew up together. They loved Jesus. They taught in the church. They gave in the church. I mean, sold out, sold out, sold out. A couple years ago, she begins to engage me with some, her beliefs, and it was so out of left field. She's saying, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't believe, again, that the Bible is the authoritative word of God. I think it was just, I think it's just this patriarchal view of just men who are trying to impose their beliefs and control women. I'm like, where is this coming from? And then she says, you know what? You talk about hell. I don't believe in a literal hell. You're just trying to scare people into something. I, I don't believe in a literal hell. She said, I don't believe Jesus is the only way to God, and I believe there's multiple ways to God. I'm like, what in the, this is, I just thought it was like, we were spun out. Our hearts were broken. We're like, what in the heck? And then a couple months later, we find out she's having an affair with a dude at the gym. It didn't have anything to do with theology. 
didn't have anything to do with the beliefs. It was all with the heart. And that's what happens sometimes. We want to do what we want to do. And so we discard what God's word says because our unwilling heart trumps everything else. Let's look at the third thing. You're beginning to drift toward things that God doesn't tolerate in your life when you redefine tolerance, when we don't come under authority, but we become the authority in an issue, right? And then finally, when we fear the wrong judgment. That's why when you read Revelation chapter 2, I'm almost done. You can hang in. I'm going to do something that's going to be a little crazy in about five minutes. It'll scare the stew out of you if you drift off to sleep. I promise you. We've already done it. Just a warning. There's strong words of judgment to this church. Why? Because here's what Jesus is saying. Here's your problem, Thyatira. You fear the wrong judgment. You're more concerned about men. You're more concerned about the guild and about your business success than you are about me and what I think. These are the words of the Son of God who has eyes like flames of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. That bronze was used in military weapons. Listen, God is a God who ultimately, if we do not repent, will judge, judge perfectly and severely. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, listen, we're almost done. And do not fear, Jesus said, those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Here's the reason. We fear the wrong thing. We fear the culture. We fear people's opinions. We want to be popular instead of fearing God, having a healthy respect for him. Proverbs 29, 25, it's a great passage. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is what? Safe. Tolerating sin may not cost you anything in the present, but everything in eternity. The culture cheered Jezebel. Jesus rebukes her. Listen, lean in. You have a decision to make. Which judgment do you fear? If you are going to be a man, a woman, a young person of convictions who holds tight to the gospel, it will cost you something in the culture we live in. It's going to cost you friendships. It might cost you a job or job opportunities. Grades on a paper. When you take a stand on an issue that the professor feels differently and on and on, it will cost you something. You've got to make a decision. Whose judgment do I fear? Am I more tolerant of God? If so, how did I get there? Jesus, maybe I've redefined tolerance. Jesus, in some areas of my life, I've become the authority instead of you. Or Jesus, I'm fearing the wrong judgment. Look at this passage in Revelation chapter 2. In verse 27. It's a tough one. And he will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces. Talking about the judgment of God that will come. And we read that like in earthen pots that are broken to pieces, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it made perfect sense for this first century culture. Because when a king was going off to war, he would rally his people together. And he would make a declaration of war. He would take an earthen pot, a clay pot, 
and he would write the name of the enemy that they were about to go and do battle with on that pot. And then he would turn and shatter it. And the people would go nuts. It was a Braveheart moment. Yeah. That's what we're about to do to our enemies. You see it? And Jesus says, for those who don't repent, this is how the story ends. Listen to me. Surrender to him, and he will begin to make war on sin in you because there are things going on in your life that have controlled you all your days. If you would surrender to him, he will begin to make war in you and then he will use you and will make war with you to make a difference in this culture if you surrender to him. But listen, listen, listen. If you reject him, if you continue to tolerate what he clearly doesn't tolerate, he will make war on you. That's what this passage teaches. Bottom line, repentance is rewarded. Changing your mind, changing your direction. Rejection. Rejection brings judgment. That's where some of you are today. You keep tolerating things that God doesn't tolerate. Reject, reject, reject. And the shattering of that clay is still ringing in your ears. And God is giving you a chance to repent. What will you do with it? Father, thank you for this moment in time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this church at Thyatira that had a lot of things they did well. But Lord, they tolerated things that you didn't tolerate. And, and Father, we are so guilty of that. Could we repent of that individually today and as a church collectively? And through the power of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit, could you draw men and women to you today to surrender, fully surrender, some for the first time in their life? In Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.